Hey, I'm Pastor Troy, and we are glad that you're here today. If you're here for the very first time, we think you are in the exact right place that God would have you. We actually pray every Saturday morning for divine appointments to happen today. And so for you, if you're here for the very first time, we believe it might be very well a divine appointment. So we're glad that you're here. Uh, Just want to highlight for you uh, in your handout, if you're wondering, you know, first time, hey, what's going on? There's all kinds of information in the handout that you can read. And it's really for you. So you can kind of understand our, our flow, our service, what we're doing, what some of our goals, the growth track, groups. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in there. And so check that out. I want to jump into the message today. We're in week two of a series that we're calling Refresh. How many of you could use a little refreshing? Yeah, a couple of you. <laughs> All right. The rest of you, hey, just hang in there. You know, life might throw you a curveball every once in a while, and it'd be a good thing to have some refreshing. The simple truth, if you will, of this series series is that a lot of us do need refreshing. We're in a place in life where maybe our relationships need refreshing. Maybe we personally need refreshed. And so we're just trying to talk about how, how do we get there? How do, how do we find refreshing in, in life? How do, we, how do we experience that, especially in the area of relationships? Uh, last week, Jennifer and I Uh, came up and we talked about communication and so how important it is to refresh communication. Today we're going to talk about commitment in a moment, but just this idea of refreshing. And and, and here's why, and I I think this happens to a lot of us. I think a lot of us, we just kind of get stuck in the same routine or the same pattern or the same ritual, you know, the same responses. I mean, it's just the same. You know, it's kind of like repeat, repeat, repeat. And, And refreshing allows us to get maybe a new screen in life, you know, that idea of pushing that little button that refreshes that the screen of life, and so hopefully that's what happens in this series. We have a key text. Every series, we use a key text every week to hopefully help you memorize that scripture and apply it to your heart and make it part of who you are. There's just something about scripture memorization that when life happens, it it comes out. You know, it's like at the right time, that verse that you remember memorizing years ago is right now. And so we're hoping that happens. So let's jump into our key text, and then we'll jump into the message. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, very familiar verse, but a great verse. It says, don't copy, and the word copy could also be don't use as a pattern, pattern, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. And I just want to pause right there and just just reiterate a thought that I think most of us realize, but sometimes we need to hear it, that the crowd's not always right. Come on, somebody. That's true. The crowd's not always right. And so don't get caught up in that and copy what they're doing. It goes on. It says, but instead, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, this idea that somehow God is going to do a work in me and it actually affects my thought processes. And then it goes on, and here's the result. So that's, that's kind of the challenge, the command, if you will. And then the result says, then, then you will learn to know God's will for you. How many of you would like to know God's will for your life? The answer is right in these verses. It's right there. Then you would know God's will for you, and it goes on to describe that type of will that it is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so in this idea, this whole verse has this, this 
idea, if you will, of refreshing. Lord, refresh me. Give me a new beginning, a new start. And so as I was reading this this week, uh, these, this verse, you know, I, I go back and I read it again and again and kind of pray through it. And a couple thoughts came to my mind, and I just want to share them with you. First is I think there's a challenge for all of us is that we would avoid getting stuck in the trap of just repeating the same thing over and over and over again. I think a lot of us, that's life. I mean, if you look at maybe what's happened, you'd say, wow, I feel like I've been here before. Wow, I think I've done this before. It's kind of like deja vu, you know. It's like, okay, been there, done that. And there's this repeating cycle. And some of the repeating cycles, because I bought into a thought or an idea that the world has that doesn't work. And I just keep repeating it. And so it's this challenge to, to not mimic or to not copy or not get caught up in that thought that says, well, everybody else is doing it. And that's kind of what is being said in this verse. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't necessarily mean that's God's will for your life. And so maybe challenge that a little bit. Maybe take a moment and say, hey, what's up with that? And that's what I think is in the verse. Here, here's another one. is this idea of letting God transform your life. How many of you would agree with me that many times what I would like to do and how I would try to fix it doesn't work at all? <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I find out more often than not that my ability to actually change anything about who I am is very, 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 did I say very? Very limited. I just can't seem to get there. And so the answer that is jumping off the pages to us today in this text is, is simply this. Let God. Let God change you. Let God get a hold of you and change who you are as a person. And here's an interesting thing. God doesn't necessarily always change our circumstances. He tends to go for the depths of who you are as a person which then allows me to interact with my circumstances in a whole different way, the way I think and the way I process and the way I understand things. And so the answer, if you will, to refreshing isn't me clicking my heels, snapping my fingers and saying, i got to work harder at this. It's actually me saying, Lord, I'm finally at the end of myself, and I'm going to let you do something in me. I'm going to surrender myself to you that you might transform my life. And that's what's in that verse right there, this idea of him doing work inside of me so that I could become on the outside what he planned for me to be in the first place. And so that's a part of that. And then the other thought I had about this is just a simple idea of changing how I think. How many of you are like me? Sometimes you get stinking thinking, right? Yeah, stinking thinking. I, I, I mean, I just... I, I am sometimes my worst enemy because of the way I think, because of the way I process things, the way I interpret things. I, I don't see them quite right. And I have to constantly come back to those places where I allow God to reposition my thought processes so that I can understand the circumstances of my life in a better way. And so I think that's where a lot of us are today. And so my prayer, here's my prayer for us today, is that we would somehow rethink where we're at in relationship to God, in relationship to our commitments, that we would reconsider, if you will, some of these things. And so that's where we're going today. Uh, so I, we're going we're to talk about commitments. When I say the word commitment, I think a lot of times, uh, many of us, it's, it's almost kind of like, ah, I don't want to do that. You know, the, even just saying commitment makes you cringe a little bit because we kind of have an allergic reaction to the idea of being committed, you know. I mean, anytime somebody comes and they say, hey, would you make this commitment, we, we kind of freak out. Yesterday, got my hair cut, did you notice? Woo, thank you, I appreciate that. Got my hair cut, 
and I go to a local little cheap spot, and, 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 and every time I go, I, I have a little happy moment, because at the end, I go up, and I pull out my little card, and they stamp it, and it's kind of like going back to third grade for me, you know, it's like getting a little star, you know, like, hey, good, and you get so many of them, and you get a free haircut, come on, somebody, right, right, yeah, yeah, so, so that's how, I, I love that, that's the level of commitment that I'm com- comfortable with, right, so I go up and I say, hey, I, I, I don't have my card with me. I'd like to start a new card. And this is what happened. I swear to God, you know, th- this is what happened. They said, we don't do that anymore. That's what I said too. <laughs> I actually, it came out of my mouth. That's the whole reason why I come here. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> and she kind of looked at me funny like, really? I said, yeah. She said, but we have another way. I was like, okay. And, and all of a sudden, all I could hear was commitment, commitment, commitment. And she pointed on the counter to an iPad that had a spot where it said register. You know what's coming, right? Email, phone number, address, birthday. They wanted it all. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to make this commitment, you know? I don't know if I want to go there because it might cost me more than I want to give, right? Isn't that what we have when it comes to commitment? And so sure enough, but I, I got them. You know what? I have a, an old email account that I, I reserve just for those moments. And so I got it. So I signed up. We're good to go. Don't worry. All right? I'll get another haircut. But, but the idea is we're just not comfortable with it, you know, and we struggle with commitment as a society. It, 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 even in church, you know, things are, there's a struggle for commitment, you know, and in attendance sometimes there's a struggle. There's a struggle right now that studies have shown of Christians, quote, quote, that don't read their Bibles anymore. They're not committed to reading Scripture, which I, I know that's, that's not true of us, but other churches that don't read their Bible, you know, and, and giving. I mean, those are some of the things. There's just struggles. And so I was thinking about why is that? Why, why is it that we struggle with even the thought of commitment? And, and, and there's all kinds of thoughts. I, I think some of us, it's easy. It's, we're too busy, right? We got, we got, I don't want to commit to anything else because I've already got so, much, so many things going on. But I think there's a couple things that if I could kind of summarize that they might fit into these two categories. One of them is this. is For many of us, the issue to commitment is, is not necessarily we're not going to be committed. It's that we use a lens to decide whether we're going to be committed or not. And the lens is convenience or comfort. In other words, we put the template over anything in life and determine based on convenience or based on comfort whether or not I'm going to commit. And I don't know if that's always the best way to do it because a lot of times what then happens is we have this mentality that says, well, if I feel like it or if I want to or if it's good for me, I mean, you get, it just kind of gets lost there and commitment that we might need to have isn't there because of that. Here's, a, here's another one. And this one I think is very popular for us is consumerism. I think the very fact that we have a consumer mentality actually affects our ability to commit. And here's why. Because when you have a consumer mentality, what you basically are saying, what's in it for me, right? In other words, if you're going to come to church and you're going to be a consumer, you're coming to get something. You're not necessarily coming to give something. That's a hard place to be if you're going to be, quote, committed. If you're always wanting to get something, it tends to be in competition with it. 
And so there's a wrestling match that's going on because of a consumerism or convenience or comfort. And, and so I think those are some of the bigger issues. But the reality is, is we all need commitment. Anything that's worth going after is going to have to have some degree of commitment. Anything that's worth going after, whether it be education or relationships, marriages, obviously, it's going to take commitment. And commitment is necessary, and here's why commitment is necessary, is because there's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be circumstances that challenge our commitment or or our situations, and so commitment is so absolutely necessary. Now, in our text, our key text, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And then it goes on, but instead, let God transform you by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will. In other words, there's this contrast between the behavior and the customs of the world and God's will for your life. And so somehow we got to wrestle with that. What's that look like? And I was thinking about how does that play out in our relationships? Because we're really talking about relationships in this series for the most part. How does that play out as far as commitment to relationships? And I think a lot of times, here's, here's, here's what takes place is we base our relationship-building approach on a behavior and customs of this world idea and not on God's will idea. And because of that, it struggles. Let me give you an example, all right? In your notes, you can follow along with me. So this is kind of how a, a relational approach comparison would work, and you'll see what I'm saying once we get going. So for example, the world says when it comes to relationship-building or finding that right person, the world says, find the right person. It's like this, this magical search that somewhere on the planet, 7 billion plus people, there is that one <laughs> that you're supposed to find. They're your soulmate, you know, that somehow I'm going to find them. It's the needle in the haystack. I've been looking for you all my life. You've been looking for me, and we're going to find it. It's going to happen, and we've got all these dating services, and we've got all these different things, and the world says just find that right person, that perfect fit, that one that just absolutely 100% just molds itself to who you are. And all the married people said... All right, so there's the reality, okay? All right, that, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that was great. That wasn't even in my notes. That's awesome. Yeah, for those listening online, somebody in the crowd said, huh. <laughs> All right. But, but this idea of finding the right person. But God says, so here's the comparison. God says it's not finding the right person. It's actually being the right person. You be the right person. In other words, be a whole person. And then therefore, when you meet another whole person, and again, I didn't say perfect person, you have this possibility for a really powerful relationship. It's not some magical thing that I'm going to find a needle in the haystack relationship, the soulmate. I mean, obviously, there's things that are part of that, but that's not it. So here's here's the next one. The world says fall in love. (laughs) You just fall in love. You know, it's, you know we're, we're, we're just kind of walking through life, and we stumble, and, oh, there you are. And we fall in love, and we fall out of love. It's, it's an interesting thing that we fall in love, and we fall out of love. 
And, and it's kind of like a rock that hits you from the sky, like a meteor. It's, it's like a coin falling out of your pocket. You kind of, I just lost it. I just found it. Fall in love. You know, we, we fell out of love. We fell into love. And really, it's a feeling. That's the world's way of finding a relationship. I felt it. Okay? Here's God's way. God says, walk in love. You see the contrast? One, one says, find, find that right person. God says, be the right person. One says, fall in love. God says, walk in love. In other words, it's not a feeling as much as it is a choice that I'm going to make a commitment to walk in love. Colossians actually talks about that we should clothe ourselves or put on love. It's actually a decision, an action that I'm going to do. And that's what God says about how relationships and commitment take place. There's a contrast, all right? Here's, here's another one. Is the world says that we should put our hope in the person, in the person. In other words, my life is going to be complete because of the other person. The other person, and we've all heard this movie clip, you complete me. <laughs> That's, that's not true. There's no such thing as another human completing me. There might be that idea that I have an enjoyment about being around a certain person, but the idea that they're going to make me have this happiness that only they can make, it doesn't work out. And here's what the reality is. is because we're told that when it doesn't happen, and it does happen, then I'm like, I guess you weren't the one. And now my commitment isn't commitment anymore, and I'm out of here. I'm bailing because I had put my hope in the person. Here's God's way. So God's way then is put your hope in Christ. So you put your hope in Christ. In other words, you realize your dreams and your values and your identity, not in the other person, but in your relationship with Jesus, which then affects your relationship with the other person. But so many times we mess that up, don't we? It's all about commitment. What are we committed to? Are the world's behaviors and customs or, or God's? And, and here's an interesting thing. The only thing that's similar in those two things, that one, two, three approach to relationship building, if you will, or how we get into relationships, is how you respond when failure happens. Because failure happens on both sides of it, right? And the failure for both of them is the same thing. You repeat one, two, three. So if your behavior and customs of the world, that's your approach, that when it fails, I'm not happy, I'm bailing, I'm out of here. What you tend to do is you repeat one, two, three. I'm going to find another right person. <laughs> I'm going to fall in love again, and I'm going to hope in the person. And it tends to be a repeating cycle. Do, don't copy that behavior, right? But with God, so I, I blow it. God says, okay, well, let's be the right person. <laughs> let's walk in love, right? And let's find our identity or hope in Christ. And so I repeat that. But one of them is much more life-giving than the other. The other one I can get lost in and never go anywhere. So, so that's what we're talking about today, this idea of commitment and how it affects our relationships. So before we go anywhere, I, I want to ask the question, what is commitment? What, what is commitment? What, what's the definition, right? Aren't these the cutest little bottles? I don't know where we got these, but they're adorable. I mean, like, I'm sure we're paying for plastic and not water, but hey, that's cool. Um, so, so what's the definition, all right? What's the definition? And, and I just got three ideas. There's all kinds of them, I'm sure. But, but the first one is this. It's being dedicated 
to a cause or an activity. <clears throat> it's being dedicated. Dedication means I'm set apart for a certain purpose, okay? I'm dedicated. It has the idea of, a, of devotion or allegiance or obligation or, or vows or promise. I mean, like when I got married to Jennifer 32 years ago, I made a promise. It was a dedication. I was dedicating myself. Matter of fact, part of our vows, if you were, said, till death do us part. Didn't say until we don't feel it again. <laughs> till death do us part. It was a dedication that I was going to make to be with someone and committed because I'm giving myself. I'm dedicating. That's, that's the first definition. Here's the second one. It's, it's being all in with no backup plan. With no backup plan. It's all in with no prenup. <laughs> it, it's all in with no plan of going somewhere else. This is the plan. I'm, I'm all in. I don't have option B, C, or D, or E, or F, or all the way through the alphabet. I don't have those options. It's one plan. This is it. I'm, I'm all in. It's, it's not 75%. It's not 90%. It's not even 99%. It's 100%. And here's an interesting thought about this, this point is some of the most miserable people I know are those who are kind of committed. You ever experienced that? Where you're kind of in, you're kind of out. You're kind of committed, kind of not. You're kind of hoping it works, but you're kind of okay if it doesn't. Kind of halfway, kind of not there. Those are some of the most miserable people that I've ever met in ministry in my life. And, and here's my own personal story. I know that as well. There were times early on in ministry when we were first starting our first church in North Omaha that I didn't know if I wanted to do it. Like, Lord, I know you called me, but I don't know if I want to do this. I remember telling the Lord a few times, Lord, I think I'd rather dig ditches. Right? I'm just being honest. And there was, there was part of me that wasn't fully committed to what God had called me to do. And so constantly I was under this, this thought process, I'm out of here. No, I'm not. I'm here. No, I'm out of here. No, I'm not. And there was this indecisiveness in me. Even though I knew I was supposed to be there, I wasn't all in. And I was miserable. And see, I think some of you, I, I see some of you nodding your heads right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about when you kind of were committed. And how that felt. You were kind of in this middle ground. And, and, but yet when you finally made the decision, or maybe you've never made that decision, you finally stepped across the line. All of a sudden it was like, whew, man, this feels good to finally make that decision. It's an all-in decision. And see, most people don't experience the blessing or the excitement or the joy of commitment because they always hold back a part of it for themselves. I always got this option. And see, commitment is all in. It's all in. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were in Hawaii, Shaka, you know, Mahalo, Aloha, right? Right? Yeah. And so we, we were there, and, and we were celebrating the birth of our latest, newest grandbaby, and we were there to be a part of that, and it was great. But we also were there over our anniversary, and so Jennifer and I decided that we were going to go skydiving in celebration of our of our anniversary. And so we got a hold of a place. I mean, if you're going to go skydiving, Hawaii would be the place to do it, right? 
so we we go and we make the the arrangements and all these kind of stuff and it, it was a little pricey to be honest with you but it was beautiful and it was amazing we were going to go up to like 12,000 feet and and jump out of a perfectly good plane you know <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense does it and so we're signing up and I and as we're signing up they have a video teaching lesson room where you're watching a video and the whole video is like six different languages that basically said the same thing if you die we're not responsible <laughs> I was like well, this is scary. I mean, it's, you know, and, and then we get out there and we say, does anybody ever get hurt to the guys that were hooking us up and strapping us up? And they say, ah, people break their legs. You know, people wet themselves and throw up. And, you know, I mean, they're giving all these bad stories. I'm like, man, this is neat. And the guy goes, yeah, but my, hi, and he enters and he says, my name's Christian. I'm like, whew, man, that's cool. At least I finally found a Christian. And then I realized it was spelled a K, so I don't even know what that means, you know. So, so we get up there, and we get in the plane. We're all strapped up, and we slide onto these little benches in a plane that holds about 15 people. And I'm kind of towards the back watching other people getting ready. We're flying up. It's beautiful. I mean, it's like cool. Wow. Coastline, the mountains. I mean, it's like wow. And all of a sudden, the little light that I didn't notice before went from red to green. And all of a sudden, people started moving. And all of a sudden, people started scooting forward on this bench. And I noticed as they scooted forward, they got to the door and they jumped out. And my heart started racing. And I remember in the video, it said, if you didn't want to jump, you could just go like this. I was thinking about that right there. <laughs> I didn't know if I wanted to jump. Matter of fact, I even grabbed this, the bar above and Christian with a K said, hey, don't grab that. We can't jump if you're holding on to that. And I, I wanted to say, that maybe I don't want to jump. I mean, I'm kind of freaking out here. My heart's pounding. I'm kind of thinking I'm going to throw up. I mean, it's, it's all happening at the same time. You can tell by my face, I'm not enjoying this moment. <laughs> but there was a moment right there, too, where it was like, okay, I'm here to do this. I've got to go all in. And I would have never experienced the next picture. Hey, so you jump. And you find out what it means to finally be all in. And see, some of you here today, I just, want, I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Some of you are living life in the plane. Afraid to jump, afraid to go all in, and you're never experiencing what it means or feels like to really make a commitment. You're missing it. You're missing it in your marriage. You're missing it in your church and your faith and work. You're missing it. To have this kind of experience with an all-in type of jump versus holding on to the bar, not wanting to jump, considering all the things you're afraid of, all the things that could go wrong, all the things that could never happen, and never jumping in the all-in kind of way. And so I just want to challenge you, go all-in. It's part of commitment. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. It's being faithful even when it's not easy. It's being faithful even when it's not easy. You know, and, and many of us, here's the, here's the truth. Can we just be honest? When it gets tough or difficult, we pack up and move on. That's the truth. And see, commitment is just the opposite. When it gets tough and difficult, we don't move on. We stay committed. We stay faithful. See, some of you have been through marriages that have failed, and, and it got tough. 
We're not saying it didn't get tough because it's going to get tough. By the way, commitment is only valuable because we will face challenges. Otherwise, we wouldn't need it. And so somehow we've got to wrestle with this idea that faithfulness is important, not just because it's easy in the moment, because anybody can do that, but it's really more important because it's going to get hard. It's faithfulness. And so here I came across, I love this little statement, this commitment quote, if you will. It says, commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in leaves you. See, a lot of times what's happening is we're, we're focused on the mood, not on the commitment. And see, faithfulness is, is focused on the commitment. It's like, I, I made a commitment. I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm, I'm going for it, even though it's not easy. Because if you're basing it on easy or the mood or the feeling, there's going to be a hundred moods and there's going to be a hundred feelings. There's going to be a hundred obstacles and you're going to have to be committed or faithful in the middle of that. So I think that's how you define it. So let's, let's try to wrap up here in the next few minutes. Two questions. I just want to try to answer two questions today. And I want to use the life of Peter as an example. Peter was one of the, the disciples of Christ. Peter was one of those guys that when Jesus started his earthly ministry, he, he called Peter. He's one of the first guys. And Peter was a fisherman, and, and Jesus ran into him in a fishing situation, and Jesus helped him catch a large number of fish. And, and Peter was like, wow, this guy's powerful. There's something about him. And, and he said, hey, come and follow me, Jesus said to him, and I will make you fishers of men. And so Peter and a bunch of other disciples had given their life for three and a half years to follow Jesus, and they were committed. But then something happened. Jesus was crucified, and he was buried, and it didn't seem like it was going to work like they thought it was going to work. And so in the middle of that, he loses his commitment, but then he gets a new commitment put back in him. And so I want to just look at that story or how that all played out. So here's the first question. And Peter lost his commitment. I mean, he had, so here, here's, a, here's the picture. He walked with Jesus, he lived with Jesus, and he still lost his commitment. Okay? So some of you say, man, if I just had a better circumstance to start from, I'd do better. Now, th- there's some things that are happening all, with all of us that are important to understand. So, so here's the first question. How do we lose our commitment? And again, the reality is many of us have made commitments and lost our commitments in the past. We've blown it just like Peter, which we're going to see in just a moment. We've done that. But how does that happen? Okay? And I think there's a few different ways, but I think the big idea with this is simply this. We lose our perspective. We lose sight of what's really important. We lose sight of why we're here. We lose sight of the relationship. We lose sight of why. We, we just lose sight of that, and we get lost in these other ideas, and we lose our perspective. And, and so here's a few examples, and this is right from Peter's life. The first one is, and, and Jesus says to Peter and the rest of the, hey, you guys are going to betray me. And Peter goes, not me. <laughs> a little cocky. <laughs> not me. And, he, and so we lose our perspective when we tend to overestimate our own ability or our own importance or our own willpower. That's, it's a dangerous place. It almost sounds like pride goes before the, anybody know? Oh. So here's, here's what Peter said. Matthew 26, verse 33 and 35. Peter declared after Jesus said this, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. 
And it goes on in verse 35. Even if I have to die, I will never deny you. I mean, you kind of get that sense about it, don't you? I ain't denying you. And, and, and I love Jesus because I, I just, I always picture facial expressions and what's going on in the story. And I think Jesus kind of looked at him, yeah, <laughs> whatever, got you, man. <laughs> because he even said, yeah, even before the next morning comes, three times you're going to deny me. Three times you're going to deny me. But there was something about Peter that it was overestimated. There wasn't this humility that he needed. He lost his perspective and who he was in that moment. Here, here's another one. Is that, that we lose our perspective when we tend to allow, listen to this, when we tend to allow our commitments to become subject to our circumstances. In other words, the situation determines how I'm going to be committed or not. We lose perspective. We don't, we don't have perspective that says the commitment is, number one, the commitment is part of who I am. Instead, the circumstance or the situation determines my commitment, and we lose it in that moment. Here's, here's what happened with Peter. He was standing around kind of following Jesus as he was getting ready to be crucified, and he was standing around heating himself, it said, around a barrel or around a fire or whatever it was, you know, and, and they were warming themselves, and, and somebody noticed him as being one of the disciples, and this is what they said. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? Situation, a challenge, a circumstance. <laughs> he was committed. Boy, he, I'm going to die. I'll die. Now look what he says. No, he said, I'm not. Total reverse because the circumstance and the situation was more important than the commitment. Okay? I lose perspective. Here's, here's another one. We tend, when we lose our perspective, we tend to long to return to what's familiar or easy. In other words, we all have a default setting. A lot of us have this default setting. You might, back in the day, my default setting was drugs and alcohol. That's what I did. I had a default setting. If it didn't go the way I wanted it, i just go right back to what made me feel good for a little while. And some of us have different default settings. Maybe relationally you have a default setting or how you respond as a, in a husband-wife setting, you have this default setting. But Peter, here's, his default setting was he was going to go back to what was familiar. And so it says, notice the verse, and, and this is actually when Jesus is just about to reinstate him or refresh his commitment. It says, Simon Peter said, hey, I'm going fishing. That's where he started. He says, I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm going back to where I once was, not going forward. And so we lose our perspective, this idea that I'm supposed to be what God wants me to be, and he was going back. I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. And so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing at all, all night. And here's an interesting thing. Whenever we lose our perspective and lose our commitment to Christ and our relationship with what we're being, many times the direct result is life becomes empty. Life becomes this moment where I, I don't have a fullness. I don't have this sense that it's working. And some of us here today, that's what's happening. We're struggling with commitment and life doesn't feel full. And so Peter was losing, if you will, his perspective and losing his commitment. So how did Christ, and this is the next part of it, next question, so how do we refresh our commitment? So that's how we lose it, but how do we refresh it? Assuming that maybe some of us in this room have done that, 
And I think there's four things that we can learn from what Jesus did in, react, in interaction with Peter that I think can help us in, in what we need to do, all right? Okay? So how do we refresh our commitment? Let me give you the first one. We need to refresh our permission before God. Our permission. Let me say it in other words. We, we need to take the first step, and the first step many times is just simply obedience. I was in disobedience and unavailable, but now I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to be obedient and available to whatever direction you have for my life once again. In other words, here's what happens. When I lose my commitment, I tend to go rogue and go on my own. But when I restore my commitment, I come back under his guidance and his leading and his direction. And so whatever he says I'm going to do, however he wants to see my marriage and however he wants to do it, I'm saying I'm available. I give you permission. Notice the verse. Notice the verse. John 21, verse 4 through 6. It says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. And, and I, I didn't say this in the first service, but I want to say it today in, in this service is that some of you think that maybe God has abandoned you, but he's always pursuing you. No matter what you've done in commitment, he's always pursuing you. So here's Jesus. He's standing on the beach. It goes on, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And if you read in the other portions of the text, you realize they were maybe a couple hundred yards out into the, to the water, so they couldn't maybe make out who it was standing on the beach. And it says in verse 5, he called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? Again, facial expression with a big smile. Jesus knows what's going on. No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. Notice next, next little phrase. So they did. So they did. They were obedient. They, they gave permission back again to Jesus to direct their lives. They weren't doing it on their own. They were saying, Lord, I give you permission. I'm available. And then notice what happened. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Number one, I'm going to give permission back to Jesus to direct my life and my marriage and my relationships and my family, all of it. Number two is you're going to refresh. How do I refresh commitment? Is I refresh my passion. My passion, my passion. And, and it's a picture here of, of jumping, if you will. We're going back to this jumping idea. Peter actually jumped out of the boat. We're going to see that in just a moment. But there was this radical leap back into a relationship that he had walked away from. It was a radical leap back into a loving relationship, a commitment to be passionately connected in relationship with Jesus once again. Okay, notice, here's what it says. John 21, verse 7. Then the disciples Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. So John said, it's the Lord. They, they recognized him. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. And I, I, it's interesting. I, I don't understand this fully, but, but to work naked, that, that might. Anyway, we'll pass that over. Could you imagine that today? Yeah, anyway. He was a fisherman. We'll give him that, right? And so he had stripped for work, and it says he jumped into the water and headed to shore. There was something in him that says, you know what? I know who it is. And I've been out of relationship with him, and I'm going to make a radical leap back into the arms of the one who loves me. 
The very fact that Jesus is standing there on the beach speaking to me tells me once again, he still has a plan for me. He still loves me. He still cares for me. And I'm going to do everything I can to jump back to my first love. And see, some of us here today, you might be in that place where your faith is struggling. And the answer is to refresh your passion to the first love. Go back to that point where you remember that first day that Jesus revealed himself as a God that saves and rescues and heals and does all the things that he does in your life. For some of you, it's that idea that you go back in your marriage and remember the love that was there and you, you refresh the passion. You do the things that it takes to get the passion back, whatever it takes. If it's a radical leap, you make a radical leap and you go for it. So he jumped and he came back to his first love. I was thinking about it today, Jennifer she didn't know it, but every once in a while, she, I'll give you the story. She's not the best singer in the world. Is she in here? That's good. That's good. That's good. She's not the best singer. She loves to sing, though. She makes what, you know, the scriptures talk about, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. She got it. She got it. So today she's singing this song, and I'm like, honey, what is that song? I can't understand the song. I hear the words, but I don't know what it is. And so she's like, oh, that's one of our favorite songs. We sing it at church all the time. And so then she's explaining, oh, okay. So as we're driving, she's like, here, you listen to it. So she pulls it up on her phone, clicks it in this morning, and starts playing it. And it's a good song. You know, it's, you know, he rescued me, you know, savior of my soul, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's just an awesome song. I look over at her, and she's got tears streaming down her face. And I, I, I'm like, What? She goes, I'm just thinking about how God loved me and where I would be if he never would have loved me. And she was having a first love moment. And I bet you anything, there was a refreshed commitment stirring in her heart right there. For some of us here today, the freshness of our commitment comes because we've stirred again the passion of God in our lives, the passions of our marriage, whatever it might be in passion. Stirred up, refreshed the passion. Here's the third one. The third one is refresh your purpose. Refresh your purpose. Commitment emerges out of the depths of a great purpose, a great cause, a great reason for being. There's a great purpose in you being a parent. There's a great purpose in your marriage staying together. There's a great purpose in you being part of the body of Christ. There's a great purpose to your life. And so you refresh that purpose. And I love this verse. This is actually one of my favorite parts of the story. So, so when they all got there, verse 9, when they got there, all the disciples, Peter already being there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. I mean, Jesus has done a miracle of doing a triple D, you know, dives, diners, and drive-ins, you know, kind of thing. It was happening right there. And so they come up, and, and they walk up, and he's prepared this meal. That's, that's cool that we can interact with God. But it was greater than that because the next line it says, Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. Like, wait a minute. We, we got fish. You already prepared fish. You already made fish. We already got bread. We already have, I mean, this is a nice little breakfast setup you got going here. Jesus said, no, bring some of the fish you caught. So I imagine here's the disciples all standing there with a couple of fish in their hands. And it was that moment where Jesus looked at him, and kind of went, and they're looking at fish. What, what's he talking about? 
And maybe all of a sudden, maybe one of them, maybe all of them at the same time, they remember, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember when we got called? He said, we're going to be fishers of men. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He, he's calling us back to the same thing. He, he never gave up on me. He, ne- he never quit with the purpose. And so they're looking at the fish, realizing that Jesus was saying, I'm calling you back to the same purpose I called you to when you started. Don't ever lose your purpose. He was calling them back to commitment, purpose, to be fishers of men, to be used of God, to be servants in a kingdom that Jesus was establishing. Somehow God was saying, here you go. This is your purpose. Catch it. Refresh it. Last one. Last one. Let's refresh your priorities. <laughs> refresh your priorities. Jesus reminded Peter of the priorities of his life. And really it goes something like this. Because of the priority of love, care. Because of the priority of love, care. Because of the priority of love, feed. Because of the priority of love, serve. Because of the priority of love, sacrifice. Because of the priority of love, commit yourself. Priorities. Here's what it says. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, he used his proper name. Do you love me more than these? In other words, what's your priority? What's your, what's your priority? Is your priority your career? Is your priority what you want to do? Is your, what's your priority? Refresh your priority. Refresh your priority. You love me more than these. And see, some of us here today, we need to ask, what's the these in my life? What's the things in my life that maybe are trying to crowd out Jesus, that are maybe trying to push back on this idea that he wants me to be committed? What's it in my marriage that's causing some issues because of these things? What is it? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my land. Priority. He asked him, Jesus told him, verse 16, Jesus repeated the question. He actually did it three times. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, because of love, care. Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. And see, really, he was pulling him back to this commitment that he had made before. And it was based in these things, this idea of giving fresh permission, giving, renewing fresh passion, refreshing your purpose, refreshing your priorities. And by the way, I'll give you the priorities in order. God, family, community, community, the body of Christ, and the world. That's your priority. God, my relationship with God, my relationship to my family, first and foremost, my marriage, if you're married, my family, Third, my community, my church body. Four, the world that I live in, God wants me to reach them. Let's pray. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I I just have that sense that today there might be those of you here today that you have broken commitment. And even as you sit here right now, you feel more as a failure in commitment than you do as success. You've been repeating the same pattern again and again, but God, I want you to hear this. 
never gives up on you. Matter of fact, he said, I'll never abandon you. I'll never forsake you. His nevers aren't like my nevers. His commitments aren't like my commitments. He stays the same. And see, some of you here today, you need to hear that, that God hasn't given up on you. He's standing on the beach of your life, inviting you back to a fresh commitment. And all you have to do is simply say, Lord, I'm allowing you to transform my life. I'm letting you. I'm giving you permission. I'm I'm coming back to the fact that you love me. I'm coming back to the purpose that I'm here for in the first place. Lord, I'm allowing you to do the work in my life. I'm yours. I'm available. Lord, transform me. If that's you today, would you just wave your hand at me and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Yeah, hands all over the place. Lord, I pray for every hand raised today that there be a fresh commitment in this room to you that you would refresh our commitments in marriage. You would refresh our commitments to the body of Christ. You would refresh our commitments to you, Lord, and our purpose, Lord. That, God, you would have your way in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen.